there are certain things that I value about myself and about my background or about my experience that I wouldn't mind people knowing more about. Um, but I want to know the best way to convey that information because I'm not, because especially because I'm not used to always having shared that in the workplace. Right. And so I often take leaps of faith, like really being like, all right, really leaning into this research and see if it works. And more often than not, like I do actually find that people want to learn about me and my background, but are able also able to like respect like certain boundaries and not kind of push further than I might be comfortable. Welcome to a special edition of The Ripple Effect. I'm Dan Loney. In honor of Juneteenth this month, Senior Advisor to the Dean for the Coalition of Equity and Opportunity, Kenneth Shropshire, will be your special guest host. In each episode this month, Ken and Wharton faculty are focusing on the critical themes of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We'll be covering a diverse range of topics, bringing you the latest insights and knowledge that you could apply to your life and work. So get ready to dive into this special edition of The Ripple Effect with guest host Ken Shropshire. Today we're going to be discussing the topic of DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and looking at it from its importance in the scope of the workplace. Joining me today as our co-host is Ken Shropshire, who is Senior Advisor to the Dean for the Coalition of Equity and Opportunity, also known as Wharton CEO. Ken, great to talk to you as always. Thanks for your time. Dan, great to be with you. So I guess let's start out by talking about where we stand right now around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and seemingly the growing importance, it feels like, there is around the workplace, around these issues. Well, it's interesting. I, I think we look, look at the lifetime line of DEI, it's certainly a bigger moment than it's been. But if you look at the, the high point, you know, just post-George Floyd, things have declined a little bit. So it's important for us to have this conversation, especially as it relates to the workplace. Well, and I know you have a great guest uh, lined up to discuss this, so I will let you take it over with our special guest. Thank you, Dan. Rachel Arnett, how are you? Doing well. Thanks for having me, Ken. No, no. Good to, good to have you. Assistant Professor of Management here at the Wharton School. And the work that you've done that we really want to zero in on is how to present yourself in the workplace, which which is, uh, for an old school guy like me, a very interesting question. I mean, usually we used to just go to work, but now there's this language that's really want to zero in on, and it's it's conversations about bringing your, your genuine or whole self to work. What does that mean? And, and don't trigger me with your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, first of all, I think you're certainly right that there are generational differences in how much this is even something of interest as a topic, right? But I think increasingly, like you said, people are asking questions along these lines. Um, I would say the whole idea of bringing your whole self to work might be a bigger chunk than I'm breaking off in my research because I, I'm not sure that even I'm there yet. But what I do try to tackle in my research is if you have something valued about yourself, some aspect of particularly your race, your ethnicity, your nationality that you'd like to bring to work, understanding whether and how you can do that, right? Because the intuition is that it's risky. It's uh, potentially professionally, um, I don't want to say, it, it's professionally uh, dangerous at times. It can feel like to, to bring aspects of your identity that can feel stigmatized or stereotyped in some way. And so my research is really trying to unpack as we start to 
appreciate the value of different identities in the workplace, how can you bring those identities to the workplace effectively, if at all? Yeah, as I was looking looking at your work and as I've heard you talk about it in the past, you know, I, I was trying to think about the the big benefit to them. Certainly there's the uh, uh, you know, millennial, kind of more youthful, I want to be who I am kind of presentation. But also it's part of this whole struggle of how do we make the workplace and society better. That it's kind of a, you could almost say it's kind of an obligation to do this and it can, can be more positive overall for everyone if you do so. And you talk about it in terms of this uh, rich cultural identity expression. Why don't you tell us what, what that is? Yeah, so I think, you know, we'll get into the question of why, why should one do this and who is it for and, you know, who is it benefiting? I think we'll get into that a little bit more. I think that's a really important question as part that often comes out of this research. But just to kind of start with what is the research even about? Yes. Yeah, so what I look at is what I call rich cultural identity expression is this idea of bringing attention to your inner self as it relates to your race, ethnicity, or nationality. And so that often means in practice, talking about thoughts, feelings, or maybe less known experiences that relate to these important identities that people have in the workplace. And particularly for people who are in the minority, how can they do this in a way that feels meaningful to them and uh, at the same time is synergistic with professional success? Um, and so there's lots of different ways that people can engage in rich cultural identity expression. You know, some people do it by talking about their background. Some people talk about important or valued traditions that they currently engage in. Some people talk about experiences that have been uh, challenging or difficult and how they've navigated that. So we can delve into many different ways to engage in rich cultural identity expression. But the main idea is that it is delving deeper than just kind of surface level ways of making a quick reference to an identity um, for example, and it's really helping people to connect with you on a deeper level. Yeah, and, and it's not a new issue. I mean, in, in some ways, when I first heard you were talking about, so I was thinking about in my youth, having a gym coach tell us when I was 13 years old, uh, right after Dr. King was killed, we were all growing afros. And he said, I don't understand why you guys are doing that. I'm Italian and I don't and he said something like, I don't bring spaghetti to work every day. And you know, it's kind of this is junior high school kind of kind of conversation. But but he really did, you know, it's, it sticks in my head that, that there was this pushback against being who you are or, or coming in a certain way. What what what's the impact of of, of doing this, of, of, of taking these steps that, that you're you're talking about that that I could have told my junior high uh, gym coach? with the reason why we need to come forward as who we are. Yeah, you know, I think, Ken, we can all have think of experiences like that that um, really deeply impact us and unfortunately kind of teach us early on in life that it's not safe to talk about these topics or to be who you are at work, right? Um, so, you know, for me personally, I think about like once being in college, being on an interview at a major, uh, for a major consulting company and telling somebody I'm from the South side of Chicago and then sort of saying, Oh, isn't that like really dangerous? Right. Uh, or, or, you know, like making an assumption that I'm like about where I'm from and the parts that are good and the parts that are bad. 
And I immediately just kind of froze in the interview setting and thought, you know, I can't even, I don't even feel comfortable to elaborate about my background further in any way with this person because I can already see the direction that this is going. And so um, I think sometimes in those types of situations, maybe it is not safe, right? And you, you might be reading the room correctly, at least in those exact moments. Like you don't always have the opportunity to say, hey, you know, you as my, you know, teacher or you as my interviewer, I'm going to stand up and, and make a, 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 put a stake in the ground um, and do this. But I think increasingly there are, there are opportunities to connect with people in a more meaningful way. Maybe not when you feel like you're actively being stereotyped, but when you're getting to know your colleagues and your coworkers, I think there are opportunities to um, discuss Let's say, for example, like now, I, I, I will often proactively tell people about growing up from the south side of Chicago, navigating predominantly black and predominantly white neighborhoods based on that experience and how that's really like shaped me as a person and as a scholar. And I think that that helps people to see not just like where I'm from, but also understand um, why where I'm from is still impacts my life, still impacts who I am and is still meaningful to me personally. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of ways in which even today talking about black hair, you know, I often think about like black women in hair, but you're making me see that I need to talk even about black men in hair more because to your point, like there's a lot of meaning associated with wearing your hair and it's like natural texture and not feeling like you have to, um, assimilate by cutting or straightening your hair. And so helping people understand why that's a point of pride to be able to wear your hair natural and things like that, I think helps to debunk certain stereotypes. Like it's not that people don't like, it's not that black people don't know what professional hair looks like, or is considered to be in American society, but there's value to kind of being able to reshape those norms so that you're not bending over backwards to, to try to blend in, right? So, so if we put this in, into practice, the manager that knows you're from the South Side of Chicago or the manager that, that looks at a unique hairstyle that an African-American might have, should that manager ask questions about those things? Is, is it, you know, is, is the reverse okay? Is it okay to engage in these conversations? Yeah, it's, it's such a good question. I'm so glad you asked that because um, when I was first presenting this research, like I did have an audience member who said like, okay, so what I'm taking away is that I need to be asking or even maybe telling my uh, colleagues of color to like talk about their identities more, right? Um, and I would say that's not necessarily what I'm actually recommending. I think it's really important that people see rich culture identity expression as something that they're doing for their own benefit and on their own terms. And so you can create spaces um, that kind of invite people in a way like to open up what they would like to or create the opportunity. So, for example, you know, whether that is... Um, getting to know you icebreakers or something like that, or whether that's just creating space at the beginning of a meeting to talk to people informally before you delve into the work that you're doing. Right. So even just having places where people have the opportunity to connect on a personal level is one part of that. 
But I also often say that leaders, you know, they can set a precedent of um, recognizing that rich cultural expression does actually make people feel quite vulnerable and setting a precedent themselves by making themselves vulnerable, right? Sharing aspects of themselves that maybe um, they wouldn't typically feel comfortable sharing in the workplace. That there's a lot of research that shows that when one person engages in more kind of um, in-depth disclosure, other people are likely to reciprocate. So even just signaling, I'm willing to be vulnerable, can signal to others, maybe I can, when I'm ready, try to do the same thing. Um, and so part of it is just creating the space for it. And then the other part is when people do kind of volunteer that information, being willing to show engagement, right? So, you know, saying like, oh, that's interesting. Like if, like if you bring up the experience with your, uh, with your, with your, was it your gym coach? My gym coach with horse yeah. control. <laughs> yeah. So if you bring up the, say again? Mr. Consolo. Yes, I remember it well. Oh goodness, Mr. Consolo. <laughs> so if you if you bring up that experience, you know, saying you're like, oh wow, that sounds like that must have been that must have really impacted you. Like, is that something you want to talk about more? Right. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. And so it's sort of saying realizing that you've opened the door and they can show interest, but also leave it up to you how much you want to elaborate and dig into that. So it sounds like the the other side of this too. I'm asking about uh, the the manager that, that's not diverse asking that kind of question but it sounds like too that that if you are the introvert or you don't want to take on this business of educating uh the white employer it's not something you you have have to do but it is something to contemplate in a way maybe you've never thought about before that it can be a positive for the workplace if you do yeah you know i i say all the time there are Plenty of people for many different reasons that don't feel comfortable with this idea of opening up about, let's say, their race in the workplace, right? And, you know, I'm very extroverted and I still count myself in that camp of, you know, you know, there, I, I can, I often feel this tension. Like on the one hand, I feel like, like I'm not an exhibit, right? I'm not something that's like on display for like the education of others. You know, I'm, I'm a person, and so I feel like I should just be able to be however I want to be and not have to like think about how to manage my identity for the sake of others or their benefit. But I do think that with time, as, you, as I've started to kind of believe my own research, I've started to realize there are certain things that I value about myself and about my background or about my experience that I wouldn't mind people knowing more about. Um, but I want to know the best way to convey that information because I'm not because, especially because I'm not used to always having shared that in the workplace. Right. And so I often take leaps of faith, like really being like, all right, really leaning into this research and seeing if it works. And more often than not, like I do actually find that people um, want to learn about me and my background, but are able, also able to like respect, like certain boundaries and not kind of push further than I might be comfortable. So Rachel, to, to close this out, to be a better workplace and to have a positive impact beyond the workplace, this idea of bringing your genuine self to work is a good thing. And workplaces should embrace it and find safe spaces or establish protocols for this to happen. 
I would I would say I agree with most of that. I'll just I'll just add caveats and just say, you know, I think rich cultural identity expression is one way to be yourself at work, um, to be your genuine self at work, and that can be kind of consistent with both a desire for authenticity and a desire for professional success. Um, and so I think that's something that I want people to take away. That that's an opportunity and creating safe spaces that enable that showing engagement when people do it and really just taking a listening and learning approach and not a judgmental approach when people open up. I think those are the key takeaways. And old school guys like me, uh, <laughs> we, we should think about, you don't have to just please the employer and do exactly what you think the box is that allows you to be successful that opening up can have, can have a positive, positive impact. Yeah, I know. I, you can take the leap, Ken. I believe in you. Okay. At this point, it might be too late for me. I don't, I, I don't know. But in, any final final guidance for, for us all in this as, as we move forward with, you know, as, as, as was as discussed with Dan before we got going, this, this idea of companies do seem to be embracing or contemplating these issues more. Any, anything else that, that corporate leaders should take away in terms of this topic? I would just say that um, the more you can sort of, sort of you can show people that this is welcome, but also take away some of the barriers or potential for stigma that people might be afraid of. You know, some of this is rich cultural expression is not as bad as you think, but there are things that leaders can do. You know, when people open up about kind of problematic experiences they've had with discrimination, for example, actually showing that you care, showing that you believe people when they open up that you're willing to support, I think that goes a long way as well to, to encouraging people to open up in these ways on future occasions. Rachel Arnett, thank you very much in, for fulfilling my, my need to better understand rich cultural identity and to get over my deeply embedded fear that was placed upon me by a junior high school gym coach, Horace Consolo. Right. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Thanks so much for having me. Ken, that was great. Uh, phenomenal conversation. And and obviously, this is something that is so very important right now uh, in today's culture of truly understanding uh, what, you know, that importance of that true self is. It's really, in some ways, it's, it's freeing, I guess is one way to think about it. I, mean, I do think about the way that I've conducted myself through my long work career, and it is my work life versus my personal life. And, and part of what Rachel was getting to was the idea of, of bringing these and bringing your real self, not trying to hide who you are in the workplace and the value that can bring. Well, Ken, great to have you with us. Thanks very much for your time today. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for listening to The Ripple Effect. We hope you found this episode informative and engaging. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review so that we can continue to bring you the best insight from the Wharton School.